Welcome back to Financial Therapy. It's not just about the money. I'm personal financial planner, columnist, and financial therapist, Rick Kaler. Research tells us that 90% of all financial decisions are made emotionally, not logically. For nearly four decades, I've been helping people make better money decisions. So what makes my financial worldview different from most financial experts? I blend the nuts and bolts of financial advice with the emotions that drive making them. Good money decisions are not just about the money. So let's get started with today's episode. Welcome back to another edition. And I'd like to uh, spend a couple podcasts just talking about money scripts. And I've talked about categories of money scripts before on the podcast, but I've never talked about the big picture of money scripts, what they are, um, how they um, get formed, how to discover your money scripts, and maybe uh, how, how you can work on rescripting a money script. And this has uh, been a talk, it seems to have kind of resurfaced in popularity recently. I remember when the Clonses and I were on a phone call and we were talking about scripts and life scripts and and how that applies to our work. And Ted says, well, why don't we call them money scripts? And that term, of course, stuck and has become pretty popular. So first, let's talk about discovering your money scripts because Jacob Needleman had a uh, quote that I really love from the book he authored in 1994, The Money and the Meaning of Life. And he said, without consciousness of the part of ourselves that's involved with money, we run the risk of dreaming our ethics and our spirituality. And so what I, what I hear him saying it, uh, about that, it's really important for us to wake up that part of ourselves or those parts of ourselves that deal with our money, that hold our money scripts, our money beliefs, our thoughts and emotions about money. Because if we don't do that, we can end up basically daydreaming our way through life, daydreaming what our ethics are. We can have a disconnect between our ethics and our reality. We can dream what our our ethics are, but that's not reality. We can think about how money might apply to our spirituality, but it's not based in reality. So I love that. Without the consciousness of the part of ourselves, that's involved with money, we run the risk of dreaming our ethics and our spirituality. So I know many of you listen to this podcast when you're running or walking, uh, driving, doing all sorts of things. But just in case you're not, you might, and especially if you've never heard of money scripts before, you might want to go actually take an evaluation uh, on your money scripts uh, so that you can do it as uh, purely and as un- as unbiasedly as, as possible. It's called the KMSI-R. You can Google that. There's places online where you can take that. And if 
uh, you can't find that, you can email me and I'll be happy to send you a copy of that as copyrighted by uh, Brad Klontz and Sonia Britt. And um, they have uh, both generously uh, given permission for that to be used. So we'll, we'll move on from there. If you can stop and do take that, great. Most of you can't, so it's, it's not a problem. So everything starts with our beliefs, which drive our behavior. So many times I think in the first or second podcast I did, probably the second one, I talked about well-being. And I talked about the fact that integrated financial planners, financial therapists are, I think, in the well-being business. And there's not too many professionals that are are in the well-being business. And I see three planks to that. Uh, others say there's four planks to that. And I, I have no qualm with that whatsoever. But I boil it down to financial well-being, emotional well-being, and physical well-being. And if you want to, some add spiritual well-being. I uh, combine that in the emotional well-being circle. And the intersection of those three, if you can kind of think of the uh, Olympic rings where they intersect, if you have three rings and they all three intersect at one point, what is common to each of those are beliefs that drive behaviors. Completely core are our Beliefs drives our behaviors. Our behaviors drive reality, how we approach each one of these uh, subjects, what we do and what we don't do. And again, uh, Jacob Needleman had another quote that I really liked. And I uh, he gave this one at a FPA retreat. And I'm trying to remember when that was. I'm not... I'm not positive, somewhere around 2008 to 2009. And he said, we need to examine all the opinions that we have about money. They are like going into an antique store where occasionally you'll find a priceless treasure, but which most often is filled with junk. We need to open the contents of our minds and examine our opinions and beliefs about money. Asking each one, how did you get in here? Now, Jacob Needleman knew nothing about money scripts. So when he likened them to an antique store where sometimes you find some priceless treasures, mostly which is filled with junk, the way I view that isn't that there's good and bad money scripts. There's money scripts that serve us well in certain situations when the same money script won't serve as well another another situation I'll I'll talk about that but if you can think of it uh one person's priceless treasure is another person's junk and one person's junk is another person's priceless treasure so all of our money scripts uh come together some are treasures to us and some are junk and it all depends upon our situation 
and the context of our life. So let's just talk about how money scripts form. First of all, they start off being unconscious and unexamined beliefs. And I have talked about this on the podcast in the past. They're um, typically formed early in life, oftentimes before the age of 10. And they're formed overtly and covertly. By that, we can form those by what we see people do and say around money. We can form them around what we don't see people do or don't hear people say around money. And as, as very young children, our minds are like big sponges. They have no context for what is right, what is wrong. We take in everything really as truth from our caretakers. So there's never been a time that a three-year-old, a five-year-old, a seven or eight-year-old, when their uh, father um, tells them something about how money might run out or you got to work hard for money, where they would question that and say, well, yeah, dad, that's, that's not always true in every case. We take that in as truth. And so... <clears throat> Uh, Money scripts only become problematic when they become extreme beliefs or really rigid beliefs. And these usually come from some type of childhood trauma. So a money script becomes rigid, like this is how the world is. This is how money is. This is how this Truth is. They become solid truths for us. When they are based in some type of trauma. And it could be physical trauma. It could not be physical trauma. It could be trauma that comes out in, symptomatically, in how we address our money. And we'll talk about trauma in a minute because I know that can be a triggering word and a confusing word. It was for me when I first heard it. So I'll talk about that in a little bit. So to cope with these traumas, we come up with strategies. And these strategies, money scripts, are formed with good intention. So um, uh, if I believe that the only way I can get money is to work hard for it, that's a strategy. You've got to work hard to get money. Now, there's three or four variations on that. But to this person that adapts that money script is an absolute truth. It's non-negotiable. That's how the world is. You've got to work hard to get money. Some of you right now are going, Mall? (laughs) Isn't that the truth? So the most problematic money scripts are often rigid and inflexible. They have an is, are, always, never in them. You must, right? A um, rigid money script is not one that says sometimes you have to work hard for money. That's a more flexible money script, which probably 
isn't going to really hang us up because we realize not always. May is another flexible word. So it's important to remember that every money script is partially true and partially false. There are not good or bad money scripts. Money scripts themselves are not inherently good or bad. Money scripts will be true in some situations and not so true in other. And that's why we uh, thought of them in terms of scripts. It's like a script to a play. The um, script of Hamlet works fantastic in the play Hamlet. But the script of Hamlet is a disaster in Richard III. So that's the real key about a money script is it's contextual and it needs to change when the play changes. It needs to adapt when life changes. It needs a money script that we have as a child probably is going to look differently when we're an adult. But they often don't change. And um, some of those uh, money scripts are uh, generational and they're also conflicting. And I run into that the most uh, when I uh, work with money scripts is that um, oftentimes they're polarized. Well, on one hand, I want to save. On the other hand, I want to spend. That doesn't mean you're crazy. It means you're normal. And some are handed down to us generationally. And I think a really important thing to understand, and this is part of the 2.0, is that money scripts are written by the protective parts of us that are protecting us from the trauma that are protecting us from the unfinished business, that are protecting us from the wounding, that are saying, because we didn't get what we needed in that moment of wounding, which typically is an adult really being there for us and understanding our feelings and explaining things to us, um, we got nothing and we were left to fend for ourselves. And typically, parts of ourselves say, we're never going to feel that pain again. We're not going to do that activity or action, or we're never going to be in this situation where we feel this amount of pain around a money decision. So uh, those protective parts of us come up with a, a script, a money script, a belief, an extreme belief that um, all Rich people are evil to protect a part of us that was so wounded over a person we perceived had money that we projected onto them were evil, or maybe they were evil and we projected that onto everyone that has money. So that's the real nuance is every money script has a good intention. And of course, money scripts limit our choices, limit our options, and limit uh, having really helpful and healthy behaviors around money. Certainly the ones that aren't working well for us. So we've talked about this before, that there's four categories of money scripts. 
So all of our money scripts tend to fall into a category of avoidance, that money's bad, worship, that more money will fix everything, status, that my self-worth equals my net worth, or vigilance, that um, don't save money, you got to spend money, or it's not okay to talk about money. And I've gone into those. I have a four-part series early on in the podcast. And if you'd like to know more about the nuances of each one of those, I would uh, point you toward those. So, and we're dominant, one of those categories typically, and uh, least dominant in another category. But we, we have, typically we have all of those money scripts running into us. But we typically have one money script category where most of our money scripts fall into. For those of you listening that are therapists and coaches, quite often money avoidance is more predominant. Uh, for those of you that are listening that are financial planners, money vigilance is more normal. And for those of you listening that are neither, you can fall into any of those categories. So let's talk about the um, financial comfort zone then, which are the uh, kind of that that spectrum that we might fall into uh, with uh, folks that have similar beliefs, similar money scripts as we do. We call that a comfort zone. In other words, if everyone around me has the same money scripts I do, well, that's pretty comfortable, right? I mean, there's no dissonance. There's no discord. We have a common language. So we think the same thing about wealth, uh, the poor, saving, budgeting, giving, sharing, spending, uh, investing, debt. I mean, we're pretty much on the same page. And so those money scripts form this comfort zone where the, the money scripts are, are the boundaries of this zone. So the money scripts are artificial, uh, they're arbitrary, um, it can be inherited, like, yeah, all our families kind of had the same money scripts. It's where we enjoy the same financial culture with each other. Uh, we can have the words mean the same things to us, like in one financial comfort zone, retirement might mean you get to go golf and play every day. In another comfort zone, it might mean that you die or uh, life becomes unbearable. So um, that's just, just one of unlimited examples. The more rigid uh, the money scripts are of my financial comfort zone, the narrower the zone, the more rigid it is. But the point is, this is an area where I feel really comfortable, where things are familiar and uh, life goes along pretty good. That doesn't mean there is any stress, but there may be, it may be very comfortable to live in that stress. It's like we know how to deal with this. We know how to deal with credit card debt. My financial comfort zone, everybody in my zone may have credit card debt. 
And um, so that's just normal. So what happens that's upsetting is when we get start to go out of that comfort zone. So all of a sudden, you know, we break out of it. And when we break out of that zone, when we break upward or we break downward out of that zone, there is stress. So we might have a money script and live in a zone where rich people are pretentious. Rich people are, are evil. So let's say we come into an inheritance. Or we come into some money. And all of a sudden, there's a huge amount of stress. Why? Because all of a sudden, I've got money. And this isn't feeling so comfortable because I don't want to be evil. I don't want to be pretentious. And now I am. And, and rich is all relative, right? It's all relative to your uh, comfort zone. And all of a sudden, my friends start looking at me going, oh, my God, you've got all this money. This is causing us stress. You know, we have uh, parts, vulnerable parts of us that are being activated around our trauma around money. And we really need you to get back to where you were. We can't, we can't deal with this. And so the protective parts of us start putting pressure on you to get back into the comfort zone. We call that what will people think or what will parts think. And so this can take the form of a lot of things. We've talked about this in bits and segments that we see this in uh, uh, certain socioeconomic stratas where if you uh, lead the tribe by getting money or starting to get out Financially, you will be pulled back in by any amount of badgering, bullying, uh, cajoling, manipulating possible. So sometimes um, the internal parts and external people in your life are successful in this happening. And so this is why so often you see people that come into an inheritance in five years, it's gone. Because they're getting back to what's familiar. They're getting back to where they can get the connection and the camaraderie with the people that are so important to them. So the goal of expanding your financial comfort zone is to broaden, to modify, to make more flexible the money scripts. So that's where we look at the money script that says uh, rich people are evil. And we work with those parts of ourselves so they can come to really see we're not all rich people are evil. But some are. Some rich people are super generous. In fact, Another modification, some poor people are evil. And some poor people are really generous. So right there, we got four variations on a money script, all of which can be true contextually, and all of which can be false contextually. 
in the work we've uh, discovered that uh, the top 10 money scripts are more money will make things better, money's bad, I don't deserve money, I deserve to spend money, there will never be enough money, there will always be enough money, money is unimportant, money will give my life meaning. It's not nice or necessary to talk about my money. And if you're good, the universe will supply all your needs. Just a drop in the bucket of the money scripts out there. But those are some very, very popular ones. So how is a money script form? Well, as I talked about, we experience some type of trauma or drama. And trauma, think of trauma on a continuum, say, of a 1 to 10. So you got your big T10 dramas and you got your little T12 uh, traumas. And the uh, key in how they stick is, um, is frequency. So if they happen over and over and over again, they're small, it's going to add up to a big one. And if you have one big one that only happens once, it's a big one. So when this trauma happens, there's, as I said before, there's unprocessed emotional wounding, right? Nobody was there for us, so we make up a story. And we make up a lesson that we need to learn to avoid future pain. So entrenched money scripts are attempts to avoid pain. And so we come up with that money script or that extreme belief or that money burden in uh, IFS speak. And it just becomes ingrained in our limbic system. It just becomes a truth to that protective part of us. And it's important to understand that it, that it was formed with the best of intentions to keep us safe. But as life changes, as our situations change, those beliefs can be become harmful if they don't modify. And they don't modify because of that wounded part in us that is where the, where the emotional wounding is never processed. So the more intense a money script is and frequent, the more it's going to need uh, financial therapy to help it move. And the, the uh, less intense and less frequent it is, you typically just need information like oh i didn't didn't realize that uh if i overspent that i can't save so okay i'll do that that wasn't the greatest example but there's cognitive where all i need is more information and there's a uh, really ingrained deep emotionally embedded money scripts where i need financial therapy so all right that's what I have for you this podcast. We'll pick up next podcast with uh, financially hurtful money behaviors. Take care. Thanks for joining me, Rick Kaler, for another episode of Financial Therapy. It's not just about the money. This is where I combine the nuts and bolts of financial advice with the emotions that drive making them. Remember, every financial behavior whether it appears illogical to you or others, makes perfect sense when we understand the underlying beliefs, feelings, and thoughts. Sign up for my weekly blog at financialawakenings.com. I hope you'll join me again for our next episode.